0: Hello and welcome to the Helios blog, my name is Helios. Whether you're on your couch or on your coffin, stay tuned with us to keep you entertained. Today, Jordan Peterson talks about the pill and love. This should be interesting.
1: The reason she's alone is because she's difficult.
2: Women are not accepting the bare minimum.
0: Women, fuck men, they respect.
1: All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like y'all impress me.
0: Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear.
2: Research has been showing now for about 20 years that when women are in the point in the cycle when estrogen is high, that that's associated with an increased preference for testosterone cues. And this, of course, begs the question, well, then what happens if a woman is on hormonal birth control and is never in the estrogen?
0: It means she chooses a beta male. And if she chooses a beta male, well, guess
2: what? Divorce. ...dominant phase of her cycle. Then what happens, and researchers have since asked that question, and what they tend to find is that women who are on hormonal birth control desire a somewhat less masculine male face and male voice, and there's been some research even showing that if women chose their partners when they're on hormonal birth control and then discontinue it, that this can lead to changes in how they perceive
1: and how attracted they are to their partner.
0: Big surprise.
1: basically be remembered for three things the hydrogen bomb the transistor the microchip and the pill and that the pill
0: was the pill is the worst one
1: is perhaps the most revolutionary of the three right and that it was also equivalent to a speciation mutation that that's how profound it is now The first chapter of your book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, is what is a woman? And that's become a trope and a satirical and what would a satirical cliche. And people laugh at the fact that it's even being posed, but I actually don't think it's that funny, because I think that.
0: Well, in 2023, it's uh, attacked more and more, right? Big surprise.
1: With the advent of hypothetically 100% reliable birth control, the question of what is a woman actually becomes a real question. Because a woman who has voluntary control over her reproductive function is not the same creature as a woman who doesn't, and not even a little bit.
0: And- Indeed, that that's, uh, <laughs> that's quite accurate. Um, implication is, who do they actually choose when you know they really have a choice and um we've seen who they choose tall strong fit fast confident charismatic winners that's who they choose not just anyone and more and more men are left in the gutter as it were
1: and so then the question so so it's imagine imagine this and, and then we can talk through the book um if sex is no longer tied rep- to reproduction then in principle women's sexual behavior can become equivalent to men's sexual behavior
0: right so the risk is now the same right 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 exactly um it can be um optimized for their specific bedroom fund strategy actually it's funny because what, uh, what what um jordan here is talking about is what Rolo has been talking about for about 20 years right um the concept of afbb you know like um Alpha seed beta need and and so on right and uh, who do girls actually choose when they actually have a choice
1: same if women are acting like men sexually, then why aren't they men like how are they different and then if women for if if sex is no longer tied to reproduction tightly and women are free from involuntary child rearing and bearing then How are they different from men in the broader labor market and with regards to general productivity? And the answer is, we have absolutely no idea, and that's why the question comes up. So, I'd like to know why did you start the book with this question? What is a woman? what, What the way you open something is obviously to some degree the way you frame it. So why why did that phrase why did that phrase jump out at you?
2: Well, for me, it was really important because so my background is in evolutionary biology, and so I spent most of my ah. uh, career trying to understand um, behavior using the lens of uh, Darwin's theory of evolution by selection. And one of the big, you know, sort of uh, paramounts of that theory, and and something that's really uh, a cornerstone to it, is is the differences between the sexes, right? And we right. have biological males and biological females, and
0: Right, and, and what is actually the difference? Well, the difference is the gametes, right? Um, according to Darwin's theory. So the, the idea is sperm is cheap and eggs are expensive. So that would lead to R versus K selection, right? So an R-selected organism is one that tries to spread its seed far and wide. And a K-selected organism is one that doesn't, but invests its attention and time into one organism, uh, one, uh, one child, as it were. And then um, we have... So that means that men would be for bedroom fun less choosy, and women would be more choosy, right? So that's that's the idea there. Um, and then we 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 can go even further and uh, say that a lot of the strategies uh, and and um, you know behaviors fundamentally rest on this choice, right? Okay.
2: How do we define them? You know, how do we define what is a male, what is a female? And what a male is, is the it's the sex that has the smaller mobile gametes that has less investment in offspring. Right. And females have the metabolically
0: expensive
2: immobile gametes, um, and they have a relatively large minimum investment.
0: Oh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this. So that means that... Um, the, the 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 strategies of the of the genders are different, right? So for men it's polygamy, and for women it's hypergamy. So polygamy is like you know multiple partners at the same time, and then for for women it's choose the best possible person, right? And then uh, hypergamy also leads to branch swinging. So the idea is, okay, well, right now he's the best, but let's say he has an accident. Well, now he's missing an arm. He's not the best anymore. I'm going to switch to somebody who's better. Um, and then the the kind of hybrid or the, the, the strategy that has been, you know, that's worked for thousands of years, um, that sort of is a hedge between the two, um, is, you know, monogamy, right? So the idea is, um, the man is like, okay, I choose not to sleep around. And the girl's like, okay, I choose not to jump to the newest guy once a better guy comes along. Um, and what's what's really the purpose, the purpose is to to raise children that's the that's the idea.
2: And so one of the big ways and and sort of the the foundation of all reliably occurring sex differences in all sexually reproducing species are these small differences. And this doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal. Like, wow, like your sex cells are smaller than my sex cells. Like, who cares? Um, But that actually turns out to be completely foundational in terms of setting the stage for different minimum levels of investment in offspring which then sets the stage for the evolution of sex differences.
1: Okay, okay. So let's dive into that a little bit because people are people need to understand exactly what this means. So
0: Very cool uh, conversation. It's literally just evolutionary biology here.
1: You relate sex differences when you're trying to define a woman to the difference in size between the sperm and the egg. And an egg is pretty small, and it doesn't look like much of an investment, but a sperm is way smaller. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's so interesting about that is that that... You could say that that difference is fractal in nature, is that it's echoed at every single biological level all the way up the chain to overt behavior, right? And so the definition of a woman, the definition of female, maybe even more broadly, female is the sex that invests more, is compelled to invest more in sex and sex, sex and reproduction. And reproduction wouldn't be just sex. This is another thing that the, the narrower evolutionary biologists get wrong. I think it's one of the flaws in Dawkins' thinking, for example, is that you can reduce reproduction to sex, but that's foolish because human beings have a high investment strategy uh, in relationship to the propagation of their children. And so reproduction for human beings doesn't end with sex. For mosquitoes, it ends with sex. Right. For human beings, it just starts with sex. Right. And we have an 18-year investment. And at least the first three years of that falls, I would say, by necessity more heavily on women. And really heavily on women. Right. Right. I I think they say among chimpanzee females, the chimpanzee mother carries its infant something like 500 miles clasped to its chest in the first year. Right. And so... A woman, not another issue, maybe too, is that is a woman a single organism or is a woman a part of the mother-infant dyad?
0: That's a very interesting question. That's that's actually very cool uh, to to think about, uh, but probably in twenty twenty three it's it's more individualist, right, than this dyad thing.
2: Right, right, oh, so. right. Well, so th- so that's a whole that that's a can of worms that we can we can open. I mean, there, there's this whole he- theory. It's uh, Hamilton's theory of inclusive fitness, which is just this idea that your own fitness, just in terms of what your genetic representation in future generations is likely to be, is something that depends both on your own genes, but then also the genes of your relatives. Right, right, right. And and for women, um, in particular, who have all of that, you know, invested in their offspring, that this i mean it is an extension of yourself and and our relatives are an extension of ourselves and there's no um relationship that um is like that evolution has shaped in a way that Favor is just unmitigated investments in the relationship between mother to child Um, because there's a certain 100% or a certain 50% relatedness yeah, so mothers yeah. always know that this is their child you have mother's reproductive value meaning the possibility that she could translate her energy into additional reproduction that is decreasing while yeah, that of her yeah. infant is increasing and so it's essentially like passing the evolutionary baton from one generation to the next between these two individuals who have the highest levels of relatedness as possible in nature outside of identical twins
1: so 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 i've wondered about this with regard to the transformation at puberty in female
0: right basically genes determine behavior right so i mean not fully but you get what i'm saying so so the idea is if you have an identical twin any investment you put in that twin is basically an investment you put in yourself. Because if they reproduce, is just as good as if you reproduce. So you're really not a single organism then. You're a double organism, which is very weird to think about. But with your own identity. So it's almost like you're an ant. It's, it's very bizarre. And probably hard to comprehend for any non-identical twin. But anyway. Um, and that's why you see identical twins as having such... Um, Pro social behavior towards each other, whereas you know, siblings are only 50% related. So, if you're 50% related, then um, it, it means that you are very pro social towards your, your sibling, but not as much as you would be towards an identical twin, right? Emotional
1: response. So, the Personality data indicates that boys and girls are approximately equivalent in terms of their sensitivity to negative emotion, but that changes at puberty. And so, and so, and the change seems permanent and it seems like it's hormonally mediated. And so I've been trying to understand. So, and so what happens at puberty is that women become more sensitive to the entire panoply of negative emotions because they clump together. Mm -hmm. And so, and you might say, well, that's cultural, but it's not because if you look at the societies that have advanced the farthest in terms of gender equality at the social and economic levels the differences in trait neuroticism so that's that sensitivity to negative emotion between men and women are larger than they are in less egalitarian in less egalitarian societies so when the society becomes egalitarian the genetic differences maximize rather than minimizing okay so Then the question is, well, why would women be more sensitive to negative emotion? Because that comes at a cost. And the cost is, at minimum, higher levels of depression and anxiety, but also higher general levels of unhappiness. So then you think, okay, they're more sensitive to threat. Mm -hmm. Why is that useful? Well, they're smaller than men at puberty. And so they should be more sensitive to physical combat threat. Mm -hmm. But they're sexually vulnerable, and that's a huge That's a huge deal and not to be underestimated. Yes. And I mean, in most societies, for most of human history, an unaccompanied woman was a target of attack. Right, right. right. So, but then the third thing that's most important, I I think, I want to know what you think about this, is that, well, women are more attuned to threat because they're proxies for the vulnerability of their infant. And so women may pay a psychological cost for being more sensitive to threat, which is that they're more unhappy and that they're more anxious. But the benefit of that is that they're more alert to any signs of danger or predation or, or threat in the environment. And they can alert, well, they're going to alert their husband, generally speaking, or the rest of the community to that. Now, that also means they're going to be more susceptible to false positives, right? They're going to respond to threat when there's none there. But if you're taking care of a dependent infant... And you're over-responsive to threat.
0: It's better to be over-responsive than under-responsive for for the sake of uh, the kid getting hurt. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: That's probably the right place to tune your errors. So, and, and that seems to me also a reflection of this increased investment by women. So they have an increased emotional investment in their offspring, as well as an increased physiological investment. Right. So...
2: Right. So, so, so I'll start with the woman piece, but there's also some interesting things that happen with testosterone during puberty to men that turn that off. Um, And so I I want to be able to return to that as well. But um, with women, I mean, absolutely. The thing that we need to remember is that the process of evolution by selection didn't wire us to be happy or satisfied or, or any, it's like,
0: right. It doesn't care about our feelings. What it actually cares about is the propagation of the, of the next generation it
2: has designed us to survive and to reproduce
0: right exactly. and part
2: of that means that we're going to feel kind of terrible some of the time and part of women's design you know sort of the design of our psychology is such that it does it, it's like a smoke detector it's tuned to picking up on even subtle cues of possible danger just because the potential costs associated with what would happen if that actually if that danger is real is much greater for women um for a lot of different reasons some of which you've touched upon i mean there's one is that and then our mothers. So it's like, you know, it's like you hear like you're eating for two, you're feeling danger for two, you know, mm-hmm, you're right, having right, to protect right. yourself and your offspring. You're...
0: I never consider that the reason why the neuroticism is higher is because you're feeling danger for two people. That's, that's actually a very interesting idea.
2: More physically vulnerable because, of course, you're physically, you know, women are smaller and have less upper body strength. Mm-hmm. Sexual vulnerability for the reasons you talked about. I mean, unfortunately, sexual violence has been something that's been present as long as um, we've been around. And it is certainly is something we see in all species with choosy females. You'll have males who want to override that choice. And um, and so there's a lot of reasons that well, women... manipulation,
1: need. too. It's not merely that women are overpowered physically. It's that they're also... Right. susceptible to very devious manipulation on the part of machiavellian and psychopathic men right. and they need to be alert to that that form of deception as a threat as well
2: right as well and yes and and even also with with other females and and and, mm, right. and, and, and the reason for this is that you know when you think about
0: a lot of people will try to use you for their own ends right and the The principle I've said, even in a past videos, you don't want to be a puppet king, right? You don't want your effort to go towards somebody else's kingdom. It has to go towards yours. So people, some some people, that, what they do is they try to rope you in to spending your effort and energy on their well being or betterment, right? So this is the the principle of. You know, like beta orbiters where guys, like, they, they do nice things for girls just for the maybe chance of getting laid at some point in the future. But really what they're doing is they're using their energy um, for her, not for themselves. So they're a puppet king. That's, that's the principle. And, and the girls, you know, some, some of them, what they do is they rope like 20, 30 guys into this. So imagine what a benefit that is for her and what a detriment that is for them. And these sorts of people are to be avoided, right? But the cost
2: it, for a woman, if she's duped, so let's just talk about sexual deception, right? If a woman is duped, she could end up pregnant. There's a nine-month Screw. investment there, right? And if you look, especially at historical um, you know, types of populations, like modern hunter-gatherer groups, if you have a, a woman who doesn't have a father investing in the child, the risk of infant mortality is like 80% right i mean right, it's very right. high and, and and the risk of death during childbirth even is very high so women are putting their lives at risk every time they get pregnant and then to get pregnant and have a really high risk infant that's not getting invested in she's not and getting a reputation in, too yeah and the reputation i mean there's so many costs to that and the cost just aren't that you know. It's not symmetrical for men. Right. The costs right. of Indeed. those things aren't the same, and so our brains are wired to be differently sensitive to those kinds of cues because the consequences are so much more dire if you have a female body compared to if you have a male body. Which do,
1: is, do you know? It is there a literature on? Okay, want to tell me if I got this wrong? Okay, all right. So we talked about the different reproductive strategies, say of mosquitoes and human beings, mosquitoes have like a zero investment strategy, you have a million offspring. All of them die, but like one, but that's okay, because that's replacement. Whereas human beings, it's unbelievably heavy investment. And then you look within human beings, women invest more than men. And then you could look within men and you could say, there are men who invest less and men who invest more. Okay, so the men who invest less, they're the short-term mater types. Mm-hmm. Now I've been looking into the personality predictors of short-term mating strategies, and they're not that positive. So the personality theorists who've been investigating the so-called dark tetrad, which is a group of, you might say, undesirable descriptors, psychopathy, narcissism, Machiavellianism, which is manipulativeness, and sadism, because they had to add that to it. Those traits are much more um, pronounced among men and women, but particularly among men who, who adopt a short-term mating strategy. Right. And so now, so one of the things I'm wondering about is, that's it, related to that. So the men who adopt that short-term ma- mating strategy, they love them and leave them, right? There's no, let's say, there's little post-coital regret. There's no guilt or shame associated with short-term mating opportunities. Do you know if there's a literature detailing the difference in response to short-term mating episodes between men and women? Are women more likely... To evince regret in the aftermath of short-term mating episodes, one-night stands.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a okay. there's a rich literature in sexual regret, and exactly as you would expect, when you look at what people regret sexually, um, women regret more these short-term mating opportunities.
0: Big surprise, because uh, women are the greater investors. So it's like, uh, like Rollo says, uh, in order for one gender to win, the other loses, right? Now, not exactly, it does depend on the situation, but the worst would be, um, you know, the guy sleeps with her one time, she doesn't even know his name, right? So he could get her pregnant and he's gone. She doesn't even know who he is, right? That would be the guy winning and the girl losing, right? The opposite, the direct opposite would be a beta male orbiter, right? So he's basically acting like her boyfriend, but he doesn't even get bedroom fun. That's, that's the equivalent, but in the opposite direction. So that's when the girl is winning and the guy is losing
2: that they, um, you know, participated in, men more often regret those that they didn't participate in.
0: Indeed. So men
2: often, Missed opportunities. Yes, missed opportunities. So men's sexual regret tends to sort of cluster around things that they wish they would have taken advantage of and they did not. Right. Whereas women's tends to cluster more, and I really wish I wouldn't have had sex with that idiot.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now, do you know, is there a personality literature that's looked at individual differences in post- short-term sex regret. So, like, are the, are the women less likely to show regret, also more likely to have dark tetrad personality traits? Like, right, there's got to right, be predictors right. of regret, yeah, right? Yeah, now, yeah, you'd yeah, expect yeah. neuroticism yeah. would be one, right? because right. that would just predict negative emotion right, in general. Right. I suspect agreeableness is another predictor, is that right. the women who are more agreeable, compassionate, right. polite, more inclined to caretake and bond... So I would suspect that it's the more feminine women who are most more likely to show post regret. I suspect the same thing would be true of men. I bet you the more feminine men are also more likely to manifest that pattern of regret.
0: Diversify. Sorry, we're going to skip this.
2: So I, I think with women, a, a lot of it. So in, in the personality literature, and I'm, I'm aware of that. because I'd only known that there was a dark triad. So yeah, know, it's, it's expanded. Sadism it had is, to add, it, add
1: sadism. Yeah, because, it's, it's, mm-hmm, it's that's it's, real fun, eh? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. No, positive
1: so, delight in the suffering of others.
2: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I uh, wonder if he's got a brother. Um, like that's just a terrible. That's a terrible quality. That's for sure. Um, so uh, no. So I'm not. I'm not terrible. I'm familiar with the, that. But I'm. I, When I when I think about things, I tend to think about um, just because personality isn't really my area; it's more of the evolutionary uh, area. I I tend to think about the like, you know, my prediction would be
0: these two are are related though; Uh, these two fields, right? Um,
2: from an evolutionary perspective would be that we would see women experiencing more sexual regret when the costs are higher, right? So, like, what are the costs associated with having made that decision that you made, right? So whether it's reputational costs. So, for example, a woman who has more to lose reputationally from having capitalized on that short-term mating strategy, I think that she would experience stronger
1: sexual regret. I bet bet you could predict that by looking at the relative...
0: So like a wife, for example, or a high-profile wife, or... Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, So imagine there's a continuum of men with regards to the socioeconomic status markers of their potential as providers. I suspect that this might seem obvious, but it would be nice to see it demonstrated, that the larger the gap between the woman and the man in terms of status... Yes. ...the more regret...
2: Yes, no, I I would think so, absolutely. Because she
1: sold herself short, and the risk of that is too high.
2: Right, yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. And also, I mean, you know, even the things that would influence her her biological costs, right? So, for example, if we're talking about short, like, immediate regret, um, a woman who's near high fertility in her cycle, where pregnancy is possible, I'm assuming that into her hormonal thing would...
0: Right, and regret would even be higher if uh, the, the older she is, right? Because... Um, she's wasted an opportunity, um, where not many opportunities are available.
2: Be predicting would to be telling her like, oh shit, like that was terrible. Like, why did you do that? Or, and I would also expect you'd see more sexual regret at peak fertility across the lifespan. See, now so we have a moment, perfect
1: study design. Yeah, we could I know. Look at personality, dark tetrad traits, mm-hmm. and. Number of days deviation from maximum fertility as predictors of short-term coital regret. Yes, and, and, you know, and that, across a lifetime and, too. And we could I, spend three years getting that through an ethics yeah. committee <laughs> and, and then not do three the study. Years.
2: and then another yeah. three years trying to get it published. Right, so. right,
1: right, right, <laughs>
2: right,
0: right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, three years getting it past an ethical committee and not getting it, <laughs> not getting it uh, off the ground. That's that's funny. Okay, let's end the video there. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M, Bobby, Dylan, Renaissance Prince, and Brian, shout out to you, most recent Patreon subscriber. Thank you. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash blog. Buy my books at bit.ly slash If you're interested in coaching, message me at theheliosblog at gmail.com. I'll start you right in. Thank you so much for listening, guys, especially if you listen to the end. I really do appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.